0: to the latest Movie Scramble podcast. At the time of recording, we have reached a milestone 40 episodes, so thank you for hanging in there with us. Also at the time of recording, we have had the promise of a return to cinema cruelly snatched away, and we are 24 hours after booking our tickets, but we will not be bitter about that. That's just the way things are. I am joined by the two most handsome men in podcasting today, John and Simi. John, how are you?
1: Disappointed. Like you say, cruelly snatched, I had booked the preview of The Conjuring film. That was the only one I'd actually booked because the Cineworld and their infinite wisdom hadn't listed my local cinema with any films for the next week or so. And then they did. And there was this lovely grace period of about three hours where films were available. And <laughs> I thought, no, I'll just wait and book at the weekend. But, so I've, I've avoided disappointment in that way. But in other ways, yeah, people pissed off about the whole
0: thing. I know. And Sammy, how are you? Recovering from your multiple bookings being cancelled?
2: Yeah, I still haven't had them f- like notifications are cancelled yet. Um I'm the same. And it's like I was, was thinking about it last night and I said, like, Yeah, it's first world problems, you know, the idea of like um the cinema's being cancelled. But the last time I checked, I do live in the first world and I do have first world problems. And that's a privilege that I do have, but it's also relative to what my problems are. And for me got to the cinema it was a big escape and something really, really assists and helps my mental health and not having that has been very detrimental. To get it back and have it just like taken away in such a short period of time was a real knock because it's not an isolated instant, it's just another blow over, you know.
0: Yeah, I think you put it nicely last night when you said that we're still technically in our two-week circuit breaker from October, but. You're right. There was, that, there was that little glimpse where I had a an Sunny World e-ticket on the app, and I had it there for 24 hours, and now it's gone. But that hasn't stopped us, obviously, consuming good content. And the subject of today's pod is the Oscar-winning Nomad Land, directed by Chloe Zhao. You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. I know. And they sometimes call you nomads. So you're homeless, is that true? No,
1: I'm not homeless. I'm just
0: houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire. I was a substitute teacher. It is a tough time right now. You may want to consider early retirement. I need work. I like work. The film centers around the story of Fern, played by Frances McDormand, a woman who has lost her husband. Her job and indeed her hometown has been wiped off the map of America according to the title credits. So she swaps this traditional concept of home for a nomadic van dwelling lifestyle at various locations across the American West. The film has obviously swept the boards um, at awards season picking up Best Director, Best Film and Best Leading Actress. In the Oscars, the BAFTAs, the Golden Globes, the SAGs, and many others. This was obviously a first time watch for all of us uh, at home on Disney Plus as opposed to in the cinema. Simi, what were your first thoughts watching the movie?
2: I was very underwhelmed by this movie overall. Uh, as I was watching it, I understand why it was Oscar Buzz. It's the kinda of, it's also the film's Oscar Bait, let's be honest. You know, it's a it's a kind of film you can see winning awards and I thought it was okay. I thought it performance was really good. I thought it was well directed. Um the plot was not really doing much for me and engaging. I understand the message it was telling. I just didn't think it merited a near two hour runtime to tell that message. And I found it a little repetitive at times.
0: Okay, now file wow, that was not you've totally <laughs> knocked the wind out my sails, that was not the response I was expecting. John, did you feel the same way or did you enjoy any of it? Um obviously this is a total thumbs down from Sunny. <laughs>
1: No, 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 it's not a, thumbs, not a total thumbs down, it's not a total thumbs down.
0: John, what did you think of it
1: though? I did enjoy it because I had I knew before I went into it that it wasn't a driven film. It was more of a character film. There are long periods of this film where nothing much really happens in terms of plot. It's more about the mood, it's more about the way that Fern actually goes about her business. And yes, it is repetitive but um, in a way it's slightly hypnotic as well because you get into her rhythm and the rhythm of the film is that it's very it's it's an easygoing film for something that's not really an easygoing subject it's obviously people who are displaced and having to live out of their vans not homeless but houseless as she Mm -hmm. said quite early on in the film so yes I, i did enjoy the film but i can totally get where Simmy's coming from on this one?
0: I am obviously like, I could wax lyrical about this all day I get totally swept up in it I'm actually surprised that it didn't win a lot of cinematography awards, because I thought that some of the shots, where it's like these beautiful, you know pastel-hued landscapes, and then these really tight, sort of talking head type uh, close-ups by contrast um, were really beautiful, so I'm surprised that it's kind of missed out on that, but what did you think of, I mean obviously there. <laughs> of nothing really happens, but what did you think about this sort of depiction of this kind of nomadic community? Because actually something it's something that I'm not really aware of or was kind of a thing. I understand that places have seasonal workers, such as Amazon, which we'll come on to later, but I wasn't really aware that this kind of existed, and I thought that the sense of community was quite interesting. What did you guys think?
2: Yeah, I agree, and that's I think that's a, one of the kind of biggest takeaways I had from the film in terms of my criticism as well, was I thought there's a very interesting story here in terms of how these communities form, how they live. And I'm watching the whole film going, I think I'd have preferred to watch a documentary on this that would have told me more than this story that was being Mm -hmm. told. And I know, and I agree with what John was saying, it's it's not not necessarily about the plot, it's about the character and its message. But I just kind of felt that I would personally prefer to hear all that if I was watching a documentary on that lifestyle than... What I did see, because I just was like, right, I I, I found it hard to get invested in it. And by the end of the movie, I was comparing it to Into the Wild, the movie uh, Christopher McCandless, McCandless, whatever he's called, and I had parallels to that. And yeah, just I just wasn't really invested in uh, the the journey with this, unfortunately.
0: I I don't know if that's maybe because there obviously there was a focus on this. You know, Frances McDormand's character, because she really does sort of drive the the narrative, flow as it may be. So I feel like perhaps maybe you didn't get to know enough about the supporting cast, if you want to put it that way. But it did have a kind of documentary feel to it. I felt mm-hmm. at times.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's why the parts as well. It was that kind of like a uh, documentary style feel to it. I, I, I can't fight myself. Do you, it was very authentic, the movie was very, very authentic, I felt, how it was telling the story, but I think to me it was like a kind of case of, just, just make a documentary if you want, I felt like.
1: Well, it was based on a non-fiction book, so yeah. mm-hmm. that's probably where that feel comes from. The, the adaptation was quite true, I believe, to what the original source material was.
0: Yeah, I don't know, Like, I feel like it was quite, I think it had this documentary feel as well because it's quite a strong message to it as well, and I don't mean messages in like your kind of typical Oscar bait. Like I do feel like there was like real social commentary on, you know, certain industries as in how some have disappeared or how we treat people when they get to a certain age. You know, there's a real kind of contrast between, you know, when the character Fern goes to a job centre and she's basically told she's good for nothing and then another character lays out all of her possessions in one tiny little blanket and that's all she has to show for herself. I feel like there's a real commentary around, you know, these people are all 50, 60 plus is this right how we're treating them? Did you guys get that
2: as well or am I being too much into it? Definitely, I thought it was, um, I didn't think the messages of the movie were subtle but also I didn't find them preaching either which I I really liked. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. It wasn't a
2: kind of case of like hammering you over the head with capitalism is bad and look how it destroys people, look how America just discards its citizens when they're of no longer of use. So all those messages were there I felt but it were not hammering you over the head of it. And in that way, I kind of think it made you feel more sympathetic towards our plight. Mm-hmm. And I know no other film has to have a kind of like happy ending or a kind of conclusion type of thing. I, to- I totally get that, but with this, I just can't. As I'm I'm just feeling more and more sympathy for her. I need something to kind of show that, I need some kind of journey. I need the journey felt flat to me mm-hmm. in a way. I didn't really think we kind of learned. Much from the character from start to finish, although just keeps on this journey. Maybe that's the point as well—the fact that the journey is just continuing and there is no end to it. I mean, I, I felt the bit when she was celebrating the new year with the
0: sparkler—really mm-hmm. depressing. Yeah,
2: and I think it was because we saw the community before that, and it did seem like a really nice community and quite tightly knit. They're all speaking to each other and bartering and swapping things and keep each other chair. It, it seemed they all seemed happy, but at that moment,
1: it just seemed like, oh, that just seems
2: horrible but really hollow
1: yeah I think that's got to that just reinforces the fact that it is well a nomadic lifestyle that they're leading they're they're, they may be part of this temporary community but when it comes down to it when it's the traditional times of holidays and family time and all that they don't have anything like that so therefore that just kind of really brought that all home the fact that she was on her own but she was happy about it well she wasn't happy she was content about it she Mm -hmm. accepted it and she marked it I mean it would have been quite easy for uh, Fern not to even mark the the passing of the new year or anything because let's Mm -hmm. face it one day is very much the same as another so the fact that she did actually mark it which was a quite a traditional thing to do you know it's a holiday season and all that is very traditional uh, pastime it's what people look forward to so she was still in that sort of groove um, what I found quite strange was there were no antagonists in this film whatsoever. You always expected her to to be some sort of confrontation at some point, whether whether it would be if she had parked up somewhere and uh, she was told to leave or anything. It was just a case of yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going, and it was that was it. It was the end of it. There was no bad people she met. Everybody was just okay. They were normal, which. I don't know if that actually reflects real life because these sort of environments you would think would be the sort of preserve of the, the predators out there, people who are looking to exploit people, worse off of themselves. And you didn't get any of that, which is great because it's not that type of story. But I just found that quite surprising.
2: Yeah, I suppose that's yeah. to what I was saying. The idea being a bit kind of flat. You know, it was there wasn't really anything that kind of changed. The movie felt a very similar tone all the way through. There wasn't there was the same tempo and there wasn't really kinda of like I say, it was almost like two hours long. There wasn't really kind of much to kinda of, for me to reignite my interests with it. What I've seen in like the first maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, I was then seen for the next hour and a half after that. And I totally get that's not that kind of film, that's not the point. And I'm not disagreeing with anybody that enjoyed it and took things different different from it. And I've seen other films like this that I have been more invested in. But with this, I would just I just couldn't in the same way. I didn't not enjoy it, but I wouldn't watch it again. And it's also possible the fact that I watched this last night just after hearing the news of at the cinema. That's probably had an impact <laughs> on how I was feeling.
0: Yeah, I was yeah. going to say that. So maybe a different I as I say, I get really swept up in it. She had Chloe Zhao had borrowed pieces from uh, Ludovico Ainodi to sort of sprinkle throughout the score and stuff like that. And whenever I hear that type of music, I just get kind of carried away. And I think when I saw. Those landscapes with that music, I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. But in a way, John, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. So to me, I was kind of thinking, do you know what? These people have been displaced and a lot of them are, are on their own. And I was kind of expecting this, maybe like, I don't know, maybe this is my own prejudices. I was thinking that somebody might, you know, get in a fight or try and like, con them or take advantage for not pay them for work or you know steal something or but there was really there really was nothing like that and, and do you know what if that's if that's what that community's like then my god it's some sort of utopia because everyone is really just rooting for each other but then obviously as the, the controversy surrounding the depiction of Amazon has been part of this kind of like happy oh we're all in this together we're just seasonal workers chipping in but I actually didn't feel that was again I didn't feel like that was that big of a deal I had read maybe perhaps too much beforehand and was expecting that, you know, they were gonna like portray Amazon as, you know, basically like Disneyland. But again, it was just another job like the other jobs that she had, whether it was cleaning up a trailer park or flipping burgers, it was just another seasonal job. So I didn't quite understand the controversy behind that.
2: Yeah, I didn't feel that Amazon was to... if I hadn't read all the controversy about the Amazon thing mm-hmm. beforehand, I don't even think they're registered. They were just uh another character so to speak in the movie to, to kind of move things along. I didn't necessarily think they were shown to be this uh, great employer or mm-hmm. this monstrous evil corporation that they may be <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um they were just there. It was just you just say it was just another another job that she went and did. I think the fact that it was Amazon and how Amazon treated workers is very, very public.
0: Mm-hmm. People
2: may have expected more information in that. I don't know if that's in the book. And it's cut out. Is it also? Put out, <laughs> this is just conspiracy theory now. But the fact that they're using Amazon's branding in the film, they're not going to get away with demonising them. Let's be honest. Yeah. I'm yeah. also surprised they actually. Used Amazon. I thought it might have just as a fictional company.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's which in again I think gave it that sort of documentary tinge to it because you were physically seeing them go in, and you, there's no mistake in the big sign. So, I'm um, sorry, John. You were saying.
1: I think they avoided controversy because Amazon played no part in the making of the film as in they didn't back it, it wasn't an Amazon Studios film or anything if that was mm-hmm. the case you would have more of a case to say yeah if <laughs> <Can> you, <imagine?
2: laughs> you imagine Amazon re- Amazon with the film and you've got Fran living in this like, trailer but it's like uh, 40 feet long, like three floors <laughs>
1: you
2: know, and it's just the you know, films. Like, every line of the film like oh man, how amazing is Jeff Bezos? I mean <laughs>
1: I wouldn't have this yeah, awesome life cool if for Amazon Alexa and stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> Alexa,
2: what kind of day is it? It's a good day, Fran. It's a good
0: day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but I just I I don't get it. I must admit it just it was another sort of sort of place for her to, you know, pick up some some money and, and obviously but I think actually the irony of this sort of juxtaposition of this warehouse full of goods and you know products that you can get delivered to your door on the same day, contrast to the way that Fran lives. I mean, she doesn't live that type of lifestyle. She lives a very basic, you know, she cuts her own hair, she just has like one little hob, like ring in her her van and, you know, she remakes things and reuses things. The contrast in that was actually quite, that That to me was quite funny, I thought. Do
2: you know the funny thing mm-hmm. is, if people really want to see an attack on Amazon, they should watch a film, Songbird that got panned by critics and
1: mm-hmm. was never going
2: to win any Oscars but you've got in that The the Bike Courier delivering parcels during a pandemic where the Covid has taken over the world and ravaged the place and he's delivering parcels to the rich who are safe in their houses.
0: I have heard of that but again I was like it came out too <laughs> too early into the pandemic yeah. for people to go oh, oh pandemic movie!
2: Don't get me wrong it's not this like, really deep thoughtful meaningful film but that theme is there more so, and here the people really wanted that kind of that kind of movie, so, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, the Amazon thing—I I think they played a big part in it. They done it like twice. Yeah. I think there was only kind of one bit I did laugh at when they mentioned how well-paid Amazon staff were, or something. There was a bit in that they did mention something. And I did yeah, laugh because I yeah. thought
0: really. <laughs> it did also kind of. I don't know it made me a bit sad I don't know again maybe this is just my own sort of prejudice coming through but these people were all like well into their 60s and stuff and the jobs that they were doing were not easy jobs like they no. were a lot of manual you know labor and I just thought that's but that's because that was what, what was available what was seasonal you know what they could sort of pick up on the road and I just thought again there's a real thing here of do, do we want our 60 year olds to be running about trying to meet Amazon quotas all day like that really stung as well I think
2: yeah think about that next time Yeah. Yeah, book delivered.
0: I mean, I ordered your books off Amazon. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I ensure I there's ethical working standards and there's nobody uh, over yeah, 50 that hasn't been vaccinated. A
0: special, yeah, there's a special semi section in the Amazon warehouse where it's like delivered by fairies. Yeah.
2: I had delivered them myself. I heard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of the David Strathairn character? Because I Kind of felt they were alluding to not romance, but like a sort of companionship. But he sort of dipped in and out of this lifestyle. Like he went home for the holidays, as it were, and spent time with his family in a conventional bricks and mortar house. Like, what did you think of their uh, the relationship between him and Fran, and sort of his his approach to this lifestyle?
1: He was very organised. If you looked at his van, everything was arranged very well to sort of maximize the space and all that so he was he was obviously quite a clever guy he was very very good with his hands he knew how to work and everything but yes he mm-hmm. wasn't fully committed to the lifestyle he had things to fall back on so it was more mm-hmm. of um, getting out there and doing what he wanted to do but knowing that he had this sort of support mechanism if he wanted to go back to it and you you saw that in the last third of the film where he was Mm -hmm. back in his sort of environment and there was the contrast of his family environment and Fran's family environment when she went back to try and get some money from Mm -hmm. him. His was loving, He he was sitting down and he was playing piano with his son who apparently his son actually wrote that piece of music for the film as well Oh, you know, wow. it, plays it live. on the soundtrack it's the actual music from the scene All right, so okay. there's lots of, lots of bits and bobs in the background, you can hear people moving about and stuff, that's quite very very nicely done, so yeah there was the contrast between the two, she didn't have this environment, she could go back to it, feel safe but he did and mm-hmm. I think that pretty much seduced him in the end, he, he got comfortable going back to that and he, he didn't feel the need to go out on the road anymore and do mm-hmm. the seasonal stuff because I think he felt it was just too much. It it was past him, you know.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it highlighted the difference between choice and sort of having the luxury of choosing to go out on the road and experience life and enjoy life and, you know, this whole life's too short, you know, get out, see the world type of thing and necessity, which it clearly is in, in Fran's case. Obviously, we're going to chat about our sort of favourite female leads, so it would be uh, remiss of me not to talk about Frances mcdormand's oscar and bafta and golden globe winning performance what did you guys think of her in the movie
2: yeah she was brilliant she was brilliant like i said um, I, I think i had to get invested in the movie overall and her journey but she was such she's so good i can't really criticize her for winning the awards and she's in more or less she's in like every single scene which you don't see a lot with films, they tend mm-hmm. to have wee subplots here and there to give you away, but she's in every single scene. And it's because that's that documentary type idea, where she's a subject being followed through the movie. I like the fact that the character's very sympathetic, but and it's easy to pity her, but she's not wanting pity, not because oh, she's yeah. this oh, I'm this really strong, independent woman and that, that's that mesh getting hammered across she's just doing what she does because she has to survive and she's not looking for a handout she's not looking for people to feel sorry for her and she's got options at times when like david's characters like oh, you can stay here if you want and she's like ah. you know it's like she just wants to keep moving it's almost mm-hmm. like oh well, it's a the idea like if a shark stops moving it will die you know it's like she's kind of like that she's like so i just need to keep moving and keep going on this is my life now type idea and it's the only thing she's not really got anything else but that Mm -hmm. van and the constant what's next and she's she's even got Amy routine in a way the unpredictability of it even though it's it's, it's seasonal she still knows right next month i can go to that job and then the following month i can go to that job but it's not structured in the same way but it's her own it's it's her life it's just it's how she lives and like i said i don't think i think her performance is very grounded and it's very easy to very easy to invest in her as a character i would say more than the story she, she really does help drive the movie and it's really it's, it's well directed it's well shot but without a good lead in that kind of movie it would just fall apart and she's great in it
1: yeah it's all down to her presence isn't it it's, the, it's not so much the the dialogue because her dialogue when you actually look at it is quite minimal she doesn't say an awful lot she's more of a listener in conversations, she listens to everybody around, she sort of soaks in their stories and she's a well, classic sympathetic ear and most of the time when you're with Fran, she's not actually with other people, she's in her van herself, she's driving across the country, whatever, and it's all about her as a character, sort of wordless. You're you're kind of drawn to her because she's such a good actor that mm-hmm. you, you want to follower on screen it's, it's something that's actually quite engaging for a performance and in, in a lot of ways it's quite silent it doesn't it doesn't need words it doesn't need a voiceover or can you imagine this film with some sort of inner monologue voiceover on it or oh. going across, yeah you know it totally. Wrong. but yes it's just it it it's a kind of mature performance that you don't get from younger male and female actors. It's something that comes with experience, through theatre work, through film work. Yeah, it makes, it, re- it really does make the film. I know everything else that you've talked about in terms of the cinematography and the, well, obviously the things like the sound design and music and all that I'll add to it, but without that central performance, the film would be totally lacking. It would really just meander.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with what you said John about it's it's almost in what's unsaid she is just very hypnotic to watch and I think it's that kind of I suppose it's that kind of thing of like a sort of assurity in yourself when you, you know and she's been acting for you know a long time and I think it's this thing of like just having that confidence to do a performance that was you know relatively subtle but kind of grounded and not you know it's not a vanity performance it's not a performance that I, that I believe anyway is looking for awards it's something that's just like kind of opening up this, you know, and showcasing this lifestyle as opposed to, you know, the kind of obvious Oscar bait of, well, I've cut a hair, shaved my eyebrows off and gained £20. It's definitely not that type of performance.
2: No, it's, she's very, yeah. as you're saying as well, the fact that she, she doesn't really tell a lot of dialogue, but it's all about facial reactions. And that's where mm-hmm. I think the kind of sympathetic like, allure kind of comes from and compare it to the last film I see they're in, Three Billboards, when she's a hardened woman. Mm -hmm. And she just looks mean and tough the entire time. And considering the backstory of what happens in that movie, she could have still been this very sympathetic, pitiful type character. And here, it's the same person. And her face is just so soft. And her features and how she reacts to people with this warmth. She just generates... Yeah. Yeah. As you were really saying as well, there's no really kind of antagonist kind of bounce off. There's a couple of scenes now, she's kinda of saying you can't park here and stuff for like that. She just how she how she reacts just draws you into her without it being a conflict.
1: There's a sort of inherent curiosity about her as well. There's the the scenes where I think it's it's one of these big open parks. It's it's all it's it's almost like a like Death Valley or something like that, and she's mm-hmm and exploring everything and just a look in her face a look of wonder on her face that she's seeing something like that it's just she's just and that kind of gets carried over in the way that she looks after her van and she's always trying to make wee improvements to it and all that she's always thinking about what she's trying to do so it's it's it's, uh but it's very subtly done it's a very different Mm -hmm. type of performance and this is a a, one of these rare films where somebody actually goes to the toilet as well she does that quite near the start she's peeing at the side of the road you don't see that in a performance in these type of films or any type of films really i mean you don't see superman taking off his tights (laughs) and although i would love to see a movie
2: like that and just see like uh, (laughs) like, he's cutting holes and buildings and stuff
0: Why does that not surprise me that you want to see a movie where someone well, goes to the toilet?
2: I have seen the, they do it in Ghost Rider and it's horrific. It's so oh, bad. Oh. The second Ghost Rider film when he's pissing on the bad guys and it's just like a flamethrower. Oh,
0: right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't I, I don't think that's uh, the, the look that Francis McDormand
2: was going for in this. Superheroes super do go to the toilet as well, even Marvel yeah. ones.
0: Do you guys have anything to add? Anything you want to point out? Anything you want to acknowledge before we jump onto our picks?
2: I think I would really say as is, is, is much as this film wasn't really for me, uh, I wanted to see it. I was looking forward to it, especially with the kind of hype in that. Like I say, it's not a kind of case that I don't like this type of film. I do. I just didn't really love this particular film. I didn't this, I did not enjoy it. I I wouldn't go and see it in the cinema if it came out. Type thing. I, mean, I, mean, well, I don't imagine me ever watching it again. I think it could be shorter. Personally, I think that would have helped. And yeah, that's all I'll say. Do you
1: yeah, to do anything to? N- no, not particularly. I think we kind of covered most of it. It's it's more of a, a mood piece rather than a, a an all-out drama. But there's that's there's nothing wrong with that. There's there's plenty of space for every type of film I And mean, I think it does depend on your mood how you react to it. I can quite. Easily see Thomas's point of view here, and uh, it wasn't kind of what he was, he didn't quite enjoy it in the way that a lot of people have. But I, I'm sure you're not alone, there'll be a, a number of people out there going, What the hell was this? this is, you know,
0: yeah, no there was no explosions, no... <laughs> yeah.
2: Then yeah. Jeff Bezos I mean... watched it and goes, Did they pay for that sign? <laughs>
0: Well I, I would recommend it. I would actually, I imagine if I had seen that in a cinema I would have probably actually cried a little bit because I did get quite swept up in these sort of beautiful landscapes and as I say I'm a big fan of Vine so to actually hear his music used the way it was used kind of took my breath away a little bit. I definitely would recommend it, it's not going to be for everyone because I do think it is quite slow and, and, and it's not something that is sort of peppered with lots of excitement, it really is just somebody living their life sort of documentary style but but I definitely would recommend. What about you, Sammy? Would you recommend
2: it? I would I would recommend people watch it and make it their own minds up with it. Um, I wouldn't tell anybody not to watch it, just because mm-hmm. I didn't particularly uh, get a lot from it. But yeah, I would, I would still recommend people watch it and make their own mind up with it, because I think it's, it's at least worth seeing.
0: John, you?
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. I totally recommend it. It's one that's, that's really worth seeking out and uh, having a watch, just partly because... You're, everyone will have read something about it now, so you may as well take a chance to actually see it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's obviously for those of you who have access to cinema uh, outside of Glasgow City <laughs> they could still go and see it um, but it is of course on Star through Disney Plus so if you want to seek that out you absolutely can. So obviously having watched Nomadland and, and our discussion you will have heard that we feel like Frances McDormand really drives this movie forward so we thought it would be good to focus on strong female leads for our picks. I believe I'm actually first so I will kick things off with Joseph L. Mankiewicz's 1950 movie All About Eve and of course, I am referring to Betty Davis. For me, when I think of classic Hollywood cinema, this is one of the first films that that springs to mind. And for me, this is, you know, Betty Davis doing Betty Davis at her very best. You know, she's all eye rolls and hair tosses and, and catty comments. I, it really is just such a, a fun watch. Um, she stars as, as Margot, who is an ageing Broadway star who seems to be the only one who can see through these sort of Nefarious intentions of the doe-eyed ingenue Eve, played by Anne Baxter. Again, kind of similar to *Nomadland*, it sort of speaks to the aging process. You know, she's an older woman who's kind of dismissed as as jealous or, or rendered invisible when when new talent comes on the scene. And yeah, Davis is just, as I say, she's at her best. It's given to some really great one-liners. You know, she's waspish, she's rolling her eyes and she's just got no time for any one ship, basically. And she quite frequently calls out the, the double standard within the acting profession of how men are allowed to age and obviously women aren't. Interestingly, both Anne Baxter and Bette Davis were nominated in the Best Leading Actress category for this film, but I'm going to thoroughly maintain that this is this is Davis's film, and this is her at her best. I assume you both have seen this. It's a bit of a classic.
1: I haven't.
0: What? It's so good. It's like the original single white female, but a billion times better. John, have you seen yeah,
1: it? I have seen this, yeah. so saw it part of my sort of film education, if you like. It wasn't an education at the time. It was just watching the telly. But, yes, it's it's one of the classics. Bet Davis is just phenomenal, and it's just such a good performance, I think. Is it? George Sanders is here as well. I think yeah, the... Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's such a, a great screen presence and sort of paired up with Davis. They were just brilliant on screen. Just loved this movie. It just And it obviously talks about Hollywood and stage work and all that as well and how people are treated and everything. Yes, yeah, it, it was great because I think Davis was kind of coming to the end of our almost like glamorous leading lady roles mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. moving past that this was the late 40s early 50s i believe it's 19,
0: 1950 uh, spot on yeah
1: yeah so she had been about for at least a, a about a decade already and been through the whole hollywood mill at that point and she wasn't getting the the ingenue roles or anything anymore yeah. it was more adult roles and it was becoming more difficult in her career kind of in a way Sort of mirrors that but as the, of the film, the way that her career went after that. Um, it's really interesting, really, really good. Yeah, yeah
0: it's just yeah, it's a, a classic, and as I say, it's just her her best, I think. And actually, I think these are the type of roles that sort of suit her better because she does have that sort of natural satiness or whatever you want to call it. John, are you next?
1: I am. Yes, my first pick is the 2001 French film Amélie. The, obviously the strong female lead in this is the character of Amélie, played by Audrey Tautou. This is just a fantastic film. It's classed as a whimsical romantic comedy, if you like, but the character of Amélie, who has grown up in a very strange environment, her parents where. Very particular type of people. One was her mother was quite strict and distant up until the point where somebody fell on top of her from I think it was uh, the top of a church tower or something that uh, she got crushed, which was a quite a funny moment. Which it shouldn't be. I shouldn't be laughing at things like that. And her father, who was a doctor, was distant. And there's a scene in it quite early on where it describes how uh, a little girl all she wants is to get a hug from her father and the only time that her father ever came near was when he did a medical exam of her once a month and because of that every time that she uh, was sort of touched by her dad in an affectionate way her heart rate rate, uh, went up and because of that her father thought that she had a heart defect (laughs) because there was no other nothing to compare it against which I, I found pretty nice. Now to go against everything that she's kind of been through in terms of lacking in affection of and she uses that to make other people's lives better and this is what the the, the film sort of centres on, the people that around the bar that she works in and uh, her neighbours and her house and all that, she does things for them to make their lives better and it's just a fantastic central performance and it's not a really a showy performance, it's actually quite muted in a way but it's, it's just fantastic, just love this film and I love everything about it. I, I am assuming you have seen this.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this was like one of the first French sort of kind of quirk, like quirky type of French movies I'd seen that wasn't a Jean-Luc Godard experience, eh, shall we say, and I actually really enjoyed it and I, and I love her performance in it.
2: I watched it last, so just last year for the first time, actually. It was on my Bucket List film poster that I had. Well, that was, I was a of the film. It's just one of the films that, that was passing by over the years. And eventually I went, right, I was going to watch it since it's on this list. I got a copy of it. Yeah,
1: I, quite like, I liked it. Yeah, it's good. If you ever get the chance, you should try and catch the, the stage musical of it. Stage musical is oh, really wow. great, yeah, It's done in a, it, still... an entirely different way. It uses some of the original score, but there's a lot of original music in it as well, and it's just particularly well done. I really enjoyed it. Saw so it maybe about three years ago when it came to Glasgow. It's very nice. That very sounds nice sounds really
0: good. Uh, Sammy, your first pick.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll probably get slaughtered off people listen to this after <laughs> uh, my criticism is on land, and then they'll see my picks, and they'll be like, oh, does he know about cinema? But I have <laughs> went... But I, I do have a, a theme to my movies and other reasons for yeah. it, but I'll, Okay, as I go on, but the first one I went with is Aliens. And the reason being, this is one of the earliest movies I remember watching. So it wasn't a kind of case I was watching it in my late I'm talking like really young, like too young to be watching it. It wasn't a case when I watched it in my late teens or the early teens or that, where I was used to action heroes being men. I hadn't been conditioned to that. I remember, like, my granddad, for example, used to love Cynthia Rothrock films, a big martial arts fan. It would always put them on, and so when I was younger, I never really differentiated between, oh, I'm an action hero, and everybody else of in Distress, it was just action stars, to me, at that stage, you got older, let's be honest, the balance is too strong, you get influenced by it, but Aliens is one of the first movies I watched, and I picked that over Alien, because I think Sigourney Weaver really stands out more as Ripley, and this, she really comes into her own, and... It's not because she's this like, real tough, badass, trained super soldier type thing. She's just a survivor. And she's contrasted against all these trained marines to fight the aliens. And she is the only one with any sense. Well, how the girl, the young girl, Newt. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass, but, you know. And the whole, especially the extended cut of the aliens, really delves into her backstory and explains she's just a mother. And that's where the bond becomes with Newt. That's why she goes to rescue and things like that. Not because she's this super badass soldier. She's just determined. And is very, it's very feminine in her, in her motivations and her qualities. At the beginning of the movie, as well, nobody listens to her. She's like, don't do this, don't do that. Guy's like, yeah, I'll do this and do that. I'm in charge. And you'll die. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, maybe she listen to her. But I think she's absolutely brown in this. She, she's, not, she's not had to kind of like bulk up. Look like an action hero, she just comes across very, very real, like a, like a person who's just been uh, unexpectedly had to survive and grow into this role. And let's be honest, she is totally badass in it. Is it is at the scene when she's like staring at the alien queen, which is interesting as well for the time as well. You've got a, a, an alien, the, the villain's female, the hero's female, and you've got this kind of standoff with this big giant alien head in her. I think it's just brilliant. And then, obviously, at the end, she's in the the big forklift, uh, the power loader. She's got the, the great lines like, just get away from them, you bitches and things like that. She's, just, she's a brilliant role. I absolutely love it. I, I, I know you've both seen this movie. <laughs> Mary, don't do this to me.
0: I've only ever seen the first one. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I have been told that Aliens is better than Alien and I really enjoyed Alien, but I haven't seen the second one. It's, not, it's on it's, it... my film education list. <laughs>
2: It's a tough one to say if it's a better. I prefer Aliens. Um, but aliens is a horror film and Aliens is an uh-huh. action film. They're, they're very, very different movies. Please, for the love of God, go and watch it tonight.
0: <laughs> um, watch the
2: extended cut. Watch the extended cut. It's, it's so much better. Would you agree, John? Yes,
0: he's got the full box set, so I'd I have no excuses.
1: Yeah, I would agree. How have you ever seen <laughs> Aliens? Watch- Sorry, John. <laughs> you should watch the extended one, yes. Sir.
0: I um I watched Alien and I did really enjoy it. As I say, I think um it's just been one of those things where oh Christ, there's so much to watch. Like I'm trying my best to watch everything in the world before I die, but it's just it's not quite made it to the top of the list yet. But I, I will watch it.
2: Yeah, watch aliens. Don't get me wrong. Those, those, those bits of aliens apparently, as we see, as problematic. But um
0: yeah,
2: okay. that's, that's that's another reason to watch it, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I mean you can't really. I don't think you can judge everything through the lens of the era that you're living in as opposed to when it was made. But that's a whole other story. Anyways, my next pick is 2006 Pedro Almodovar film, Volver, where I will obviously be talking about Penelope Cruz. I I actually didn't know which Almodovar film to pick. It seems crazy. She's made a career out of strong female leads. But I went with this one basically just because I think Penelope Cruz is absolutely stunning. And actually, she's really incredible here as well. It's this kind of like sort of tragic comedy of a woman who goes back to her familial home, she's sort of tending to her mother's grave and she's sort of fending off this drunken predatory husband that she has and she's trying to protect her teenage daughter and sort of halfway along the way she kind of realises that her mum who she was pretty sure was dead and buried is still alive because she's just found her in like the boot of her car. It's it's a film that's kind of typical Almodovar in the sense it's kind of madcap but it also has these really strong emotional sort of familial relationships that it explores and as i touched on there's this you know remunda has this drunken predatory husband who's going after her teenage daughter and it's about loss and it's about family relationships between you know mothers and daughters and you know, sisters. And it actually just gives Cruz the chance to show a bit of range because she's really good at the sort of comedy, you know, the scene where she's under the bed and she's like, it smells like farts, there must be a ghost in here. Like and she's really funny and she does that sort of physical comedy. But equally, you know, there's the scene where she sings the song Volver and tears are absolutely streaming down her face and her relationship that she has with her teenage daughter is really believable as well like she is fiercely protective of her you know she's sort of lioness and her stature and the way she carries herself so she's really good at the sort of comedy and the darker bits as well and obviously being in a mode of art it's extremely colorful and her character is often dressed in red to sort of draw as if you're not looking at her beautiful guitar shaped body anyway but it sort of draws your eye to her even more and it's a kind of it's it's very typical if you, if you know a lot of his films but for me this was the The chance to really see Penelope Cruz act and not be sort of like token, like eye candy, or just some of the other roles that she's kind of fallen into. I feel like she's a really, really good actress, and you've seen that in likes of like Vicky Cristina Barcelona as well. But this, to me, is like her kind of definitive performance. I think she's excellent in it, and she really drives the movie forward. Whether it's the the sort of comedy side and building up the relationship with her mother, or whether it's this kind of you know slightly broken, kind of vulnerable, but equally very you know fiery and protective women as well so yeah that's that's my pick i really struggled with, with what a mode of our film to go with but hopefully i have I've made the right choice i take it you guys have both seen this
2: do you know what? i'm not sure honestly it's like it's one of those films that i'm so aware of and familiar with i don't know if i have watched it though i would, I would need to watch it again uh-huh. To know if I've seen it, I, I, it was, it was, it was, so, I was so aware of it my conscience, but I suppose it's kind of Emily in that sense as well. That it was that kind of film that was kind of like mentioned about you've seen it so much. I thought, have I seen that? And I watched it, but oh, definitely I haven't seen this. I'm with like, that revolver, I don't know if I've seen that. I don't think I have, but I wouldn't be surprised if I had. And just it's, there's mm. not. I can't remember it because and if anything bad, I mean, how many films have you seen over lifetimes? And there's, there's films you forget about. You <laughs> actually did that last year, the CQ that at the cinema. Most times, you know, what I last
0: year? So, yeah, I
2: honestly don't know if I've seen it. I
1: don't think I have, but I wouldn't rule
0: it out. Joan, I take
2: it you have seen it. You're quite a big
0: like, Amodavar
1: fan. It's one of my top ten, my rough top ten list of all-time films. I I love this movie. It's just fantastic. Yeah. I've seen it a couple of times now, and it's just, oh, it's sumptuous. Like you yeah. say, Penelope Cruz is just amazing in it. And in a way, it was kind of a, a gateway drug for the rest of Homo back catalog because I, I think I saw that one first before seeing anything else and then just went from there into like uh, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down and uh, all about my mother oh, yeah. and all this stuff and talk to her and all this. Yeah. Oh man, it's just this, it's opened up some really nice stuff. There's a new one just out. It's... The Human voice, With which Tilda is a Swinton, short, yeah, yeah. yeah the Swinton yeah. one. That's actually getting a one-day cinema release next week, I believe. Which is no use for us, obviously, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's just a it's just a thirty-minute short film. But it's it's yeah. actually it's absolutely amazing. Another really strong female performance in that. Well, facts is the only performance in it. She's the only person actually on screen, I suppose. So, but yes, uh, Volver is just it's like you know, chef's kiss, just yeah. perfection. Yeah,
0: it really yes you
1: oh, your next, your pick. My next pick is a 2014 action thriller called Everly, which stars Salma Hayek. Now, this is a very typical action film. Everly is a character who is a prostitute. She's trapped into a sort of a sexual slavery for the Yakuza. And basically, the first time you see her, she's just actually closing a bathroom door. She's obviously been beaten and abused, and she basically can't take it anymore. So she decides to fight back. And pretty much the whole film is her battling against either the guys that are in the room, anybody that comes into the room, the police, uh, this, <laughs> this mad sadist character, uh, and the, the big boss at the end. It's bloody, it's gory, it's completely over the top, it's quite unbelievable in what you're actually seeing on screen. It makes very little sense and it's fucking amazing. It's just a brilliant movie. Selma Hayek is just fantastic as this, not a a kick-ass action hero because she has something about her, she knows her way around a gun but she's not totally over familiar so it's not she's not taking people out sort of john wick still there's a few accidental Mm -hmm. deaths and things like that and it all works really really well there's some fun moments in it there is a wee bit of sort of male gazy stuff in it because she's not dressed at the start of it and then she's just wearing a i think it's a slip for the first 20 minutes before she she covers herself up and things like that and there's this running gag about her trying to leave the apartment so she puts on a pair of high heels and tries to leave and then something happens she has to kick the heels off because she can't actually like run about or shoot anybody wearing these damn heels so it, it goes on like that for quite a while but great film really good performance and it's a total it's a b-movie it's not a, a like it, you could you it would never be up for an award to put it that way it wouldn't be up like challenging for dormant at any point for, for an award but it's just fantastic and it's available on, on amazon prime at the moment so oh. eh, if you haven't seen it give it a look
0: never even heard of it never time.
1: even seen yeah. it no is, this, is this something i'd like, sure. I'm
2: like I'm uh, yeah,
0: definitely it sounds like something worth watching as well and if i can tell chris that it's got like some nudie salm- <laughs> <laughs> of you you're like yeah let's watch this
2: yeah i mean that's actually that, that that's actually that the tagline yeah friends <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get an audience that way. Sorry, I'm probably canceled now, but uh, no, I mean, that does sound like something. I don't do like Sammy here, I think she's brown. Uh, I really like her roles in this. I find that's gonna be a lot of fun.
1: Mm-hmm. The, the thing with that as well, is when you watch something in Amazon Prime, it gives you a list of all the other stuff. You know, if you've, if you watch this, mm-hmm. you would like all this. Too. And at the bottom of it, there were, I think there's three different Cynthia Rothrock films actually listed there as well. <laughs> because there's a whole pile of them on them. And actually, I, I was almost down the rabbit hole because I started watching a film called Miss Meadows after it, and it's a Katie Holmes film right. where she, she's a bit of a, sort of a, it's not a revenge film, she's a vigilante in it, which is just, it's just a weird, weird film. But that kind of leads you down into all these crazy martial arts films as well, you know, so I uh, Bye. It's. It, it, I could be. I could be there for days watching that sort of stuff. Very interesting. But
0: <laughs> like you're going to see Katie Holmes' Escape from Scientology. Now that's a vigilante film I would watch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you want to talk about um, like Amazon suggestions? a film popped up my suggestions the other day called Killer Rack about women a woman gets a boob job and the grows tentacles and stuff and kills people.
0: <laughs> what the fuck have you been watching? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, did you watch to get a recommendation like that? Well, I know. Yeah, was I'm as well as myself. The side of it or is it or the side of it, The
0: kind of. has yeah. been you know, watching time. hentai
2: on Prime. there's <laughs> <laughs> also the Call Girl of Cthulhu and I'm like, yeah. I did don't you know, watch man, teeth?
0: I, is that it? Did you watch teeth? Like I, 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 I
2: have not watched that, but I think I need to create a new Amazon account and start from scratch.
0: Pardon <laughs> the other one.
1: Yes. Oh man,
0: right. I'm not a account. You can watch
1: stuff on it, and nobody actually (laughs) put some the list. Yeah,
2: I I think this is going to need to become a a bundle account at this rate. Yeah, a Jane proof account. Yeah,
0: definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Your next pick, Sammy.
2: See, you kind of joked to John about that was a film that was going to kind of like rival Frances McDormand for like best actress, but I actually think this is a film uh, performance to could have, perhaps should have. It was completely overlooked, and I think it was because of the genre. I'm going for Elizabeth Moss and in The Invisible Man. This, this is a science fiction horror movie. I think it's a lot cleverer than people maybe give it credit for when it first came out. Her performance is absolutely brilliant in this, and the only thing that harms it for me is, if, is if it's a horror film. You know, mm-hmm. you put you put that before. You're you taking away the fact that this guy's invisible in you just make it this like dark serious drama she's kind of a was thrown at her left right and center she's absolutely 100%. brilliant in this yep. absolutely brilliant she's so real and again the idea that for the movie is quite fantastical although the themes are very very real but the fact that her ex-boyfriend is totally gaslighting her by mm-hmm. he faking his death wearing a invisible suit and then tormenting her and everybody thinks she's insane and how she portrays this she's, she's the only same person in the asylum so to speak, but everybody else is acting so like calm and normal around about her and she's just like in a different movie. But that's the point. Because she's it's only her that's experiencing all this like drama and pain. And she's so good in it. And I think the fact that a lot of horror movies have a kind of fallacy to them. And it can be true to an extent that women are really hard done to. And you get a lot of kind of movies that like B-movies, b- b- like b bargain, bargain Bin, Slashers and that, with Mildred's mo- eye candy. You watch an 80s horror movie, the college co-eds, it's a shower scene in the first 10 minutes, they, they know their audience, but you forget the idea that, forget that women are the central part of a horror movie, from Jamie Lee Curtis, to Hera Langstamp, and Nightmare on Elm Street. They're not just victims, mm-hmm. they're the heroes, or heroines, so to speak. Um, the final girl, is that for a reason, because they're the last one standing, they're the one that kills the bad guy. And this movie has all these kind of tropes, but really bolstered by an absolute outstanding performance. I wanted to mention this because I think it was overlooked by the awards, especially the Oscars.
0: Yeah, oh it definitely was. I mean, I don't think Elizabeth Moss has done anything that I would not watch. Like from Mad Men to Shirley to Handmaid's Tale and obviously this as well, she is phenomenal in everything that she does. And You're right. It's it's probably a a snobbery thing because it's a horror movie, but the themes and the sort of you know this kind of it's very you know contemporary. The whole Me Too, gaslighting, emotional Mm -hmm. abuse, all that sort of thing, and yet not even a peep. And she's incredible in it. Incredible.
2: And uh, to mention spoilers, the restaurant scene.
0: Oh, uh
2: huh. And her reaction to it. She's she's very authentic. The whole movie, very authentic.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not a sort of hyperbolic performance.
1: Yeah, the physical performance as well when she's, especially the kitchen scene, where Mm -hmm. she's been That's just unbelievable. And that's not the only time that that kind of happens, that sort of physical performance. That's not something that is easy for anybody to do. And the the way that she makes it look so authentic is just, that's just great. Yes, you're right. She does go overlooked for some reason. I've got no idea why. But, yeah, definitely deserved a wee bit of recognition for that role.
0: Absolutely. Horror snobbery strikes again. My last pick, I won't butcher the the Polish title because it really would be offensive for me to try and pronounce this. So it's a movie called Interrogation, directed by Richard Bugajski, which was released in 1989. And I'm focusing on the performance of Christina Yanda as Tonya. So the film was actually made in 1982, but was banned until the fall of communism because, putting it mildly, it doesn't exactly portray the regime favorably. It centres around, you know, this sort of she's kind of presents a sort of good time gal, Tonya. So she's out, she's drinking, she's, you know, having a good time, and she wakes up in a prison cell after her night out with no recollection of, of how she's got there. She's been accused of, you know, crimes against the state, and she's been tortured into confessing, you know, crimes that she basically hasn't committed. So Christina Yanda in this central performance here is just a powerhouse. Like they throw everything at her literally, you know, she's hosed down by by water cannon, she's beaten up, she's verbally abused and she's she has this sort of quiet resilience about her. Like you can see in her eyes that this is, you know, really coming close to breaking her as a person, but she's got this kind of, you know, her jaws set and she's not giving in because she knows she hasn't done anything We sort of learn a little bit about her past as as a character and you sort of learn that she's always been this resourceful. You know, her parents sent her out to work at 14 because they thought she was troublesome and all the rest of it. So you kind of get to learn a little bit about her. The film is shot and, like, it's basically just everything's just grey. It's really bloody grim. And there's actually a scene where, in desperation to get out of the cell, she learns that if she, you know, has an injury, she can get to hospital. So she straps down her arm and bites her vein out just to get to the hospital because she can't take any more of this interrogation but she doesn't want to let her captors know that she can't take any more it's really grim it's really hard going but her performance is absolutely incredible she's again it's not sort of over the top she reacts exactly as you would react to someone hosing you in the face with a water cannon and a little fun fact there is a sort of small performance from Agnieszka Holland as an ardent communist in the the cell with her and she's very good she's very Not funny, but she's just some of the stuff that she says is quite funny. It's not a kind of particularly well-known film, I don't think, but her performance is it really, really sells it and kind of holds the whole thing together. Have you guys seen this movie at all? I
2: haven't, no, but it's again essentially up my street. I love my kind of Soviet era cinema and things like that. Yeah, I've definitely watched that.
0: Yeah, um, sorry for spoiling a bit about the vein, then, but it always stands out to me as being like, oh fuck. So, yeah, like, you, say, you
2: describe, you're describing it there. I was kind of like, oh, Jesus.
0: Yeah. Her, as I say, her performance is very good. Like, There's so much going on in there. It's almost like... And because it's kind of grey and stuff like that, you kind of feel it's almost like a silent movie. There's a lot being said that's not being said, that makes sense. John, your last pick.
1: My last pick is the 2017 film The Shape of Water. And obviously the, the character of Eliza is the strong female character in this film. It's played by Sally Hawkins. She is a woman who was found as a young child abandoned, uh, she can't speak and she works as a cleaner in a secret US research facility and the story basically centres around her and the the, the fishman that is brought in and the relationship that she forms with him and then she tries to help him escape from the facility because obviously Uh, An animal in captivity is is not really an animal at all, it's it's not free in any way. The performance by Sally Hawkins is just amazing because she doesn't speak for the whole film, apart from one scene where she sings I believe, but everything is done through gestures, through sign language, basically through looks, there is nothing verbal about the performance at all and because of that it's such a strong performance. It's just totally captivating. And it's the center of the drama and it's the center of the film as well. Now, I know for a fact both of you have seen this film. So what do you think? Yeah. Yeah?
2: No? Yeah, no, definitely, I agree with you, I think it's a great performance, and it's that kind of movie, you're kind of watching it, and at times you're kind of like, yeah, but he's a fish, he's a kind of like <laughs> a, a creature from the Black Lagoon type monster, and once you kind of go over that huddle ever so often, which it keeps coming up to me before I was watching it, there's a bit of an kind of absurdity to it, it's, it's, it's brilliant, and she's so good in it, she really is, yeah. it's a great performance, it's a great film, I really liked it, um, but yeah, her performance, really kind of carries this kind of human element to it and the connection of this quote unquote monster but is it a real monster no that's the that's michael shannon but, it's always michael
0: yeah, shannon <laughs>
2: it's always michael shannon yeah, <laughs> yeah. but no yeah she, she, she's she's doing a great performance uh i don't like the word quirky i think it's more subdued than that she's yeah. not a kind of over the top kind of quirkiness, so to speak as a yeah but a kind of subdued over the topness if i even makes sense because it's the absurdity of the plot that she manages uh-huh. to kind of keep it grounded in a way, it's yeah. yeah. Oh, to yeah, me it's like
0: the love story. story to, stories, but, yeah. Yeah. I, it's a film that's very much about the other, and that to me is like, it's, I think if you just accept that, you just accept that she's in love with this, and I totally did, I bought into the fact that she was in love with this fish because he treated her really well and they loved each other and they were just going to go away and make half human, half fish babies and I was happy with that.
2: Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> not really any different to say the movie Flash. With Tom
1: Hanks and Daryl Hannah, yeah. you think about it. And
0: the it's, Beast. Almost
1: like a, it's, it's almost like a remake. Yeah. <laughs> you must have been quite excited, though, Thomas, because when you saw the fish man, you were like, "Oh, maybe tentacles, maybe some babies." <laughs> well,
2: not only was I thinking that, I was
1: also thinking there could
2: be a sequel to this, and then rain for <laughs> a few sequels. Now, a wee fish army come back and invade like, the world. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Coming after Michael Shannon's kids. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> your, uh, your last pick, Sammy.
2: I am staying with the horror theme in this one. And it's annoying, though, because it's a really good topic. And there were so many films I, I thought about that I hadn't seen in so long or wasn't so familiar with, so I didn't pick them. So people say, why are you just picking these shape films? I'm not picking them. I'm just picking them because the first ones came to mind. But I'm sticking with the horror theme. And the reason for this is that, I Ascension in the last time, Women tend to be victims a lot in films, they tend to be the the focus of the killer, but in Misery, that's flipped in its head and Kathy Bates is the killer, she's the villain, she is absolutely insane, psychotic, and although we talk about horror being overlooked a lot with the Academy, she did win Best Actress for this role, and although you could argue it's maybe a thriller, I think it's a horror this movie is intended to scare you and terrify you, but it's also directed by Rob Reiner, so there is like, funny bits in it, and is as, as good as Kathy Bates is in this, she goes from being like, genuinely quite sweet and sympathetic, and she's a nurse, and she's, I don't want to use the word, there's something quite quaint about her, you know, and something quite sympathetic about her, she loves alone, she's a bit kind of lonely or she really to these novels, and then just like that, like a flick of, of a switch, she is psychotic and insane, and sometimes really kind of like scarily so, at other times over the top so that it is pretty silly, but not a bad way because it works within the confines of the movie. I think she's absolutely brilliant. Every time I watch this movie, this is how good I think she is isn't it. I watch it thinking, could this have went another way? <laughs> did this film have to go the way it did? If James can, just maybe play a a bit more. <laughs> and, then I, and then I watch the film and go, no, it was always going to go this way. It was never going to go any other way. But that's why I think she's so good in it, because every time I watch it, I think, no, there's something happens, it's just that, no, no, she's just nuts for the start. She's just insane. She was always planning and doing this. But yeah, like I said, in a, in a genre where women tend to be the victims of the killers of that, she's just so good in this just brilliant. and like I say she won an award for she won the, the Oscar for it I think it's incredibly deserved.
0: Oh I mean she's terrifying like I am really scared of her she's a really good example of a, a female villain or antagonist whatever you want to call it and you're right she's set up as this kind of like sweet middle aged lady and it's a shame for her because she's not got much going for her but as you say it was always going to end the way that, that it ends and she is incredible I, it, it does get over the top and it does get silly but I feel like she's the type of actress who kind of still sells it and keeps it a wee, like anyone else it would have become almost comic but I think with Kathy Bates you're kind of in safe yeah. territory there with like you know she sells that performance
2: yeah and there's also the scene as well uh, otherwise it's too, too spoiling it for people that haven't watched it there's a scene when she kind of like comes into like Paul Sheldon James Cans character Paul's bedroom and she mm-hmm. wakes up she's kind of sitting into the bed and she's just really depressed and you feel really sorry for her then you remember she's a psychotic job. <laughs> But that's my point of how good she is, isn't it? She makes makes you feel sorry for her. She makes you feel sympathy for her. And she also thinks she's terrified of her. Yeah,
0: she makes you feel all the feelings.
1: Yeah.
2: John, sorry, you were going to say say something there, John? Sorry.
0: Yeah,
1: it's another example of a, a character that couldn't have been done by a younger actor. In any way it has to be someone with a bit of experience behind them because they're bringing a certain level of like gravitas due to their age and everything. It's not just an acting performance, it's more than that. They've drawn so much into it and it really works. Like you say, it's a absolutely fantastic performance, really good film,
2: yeah, exactly. And I, I don't want to be like uh, in any way kind of like offensive towards the cafe base of that. But like, you can imagine this movie, and like, you still with James can playing his role, but it's like Margot Robbie playing the role. If Annie Wilkes, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: it would just have a different prism to it completely, and the, the cast in this movie's perfect. And she's like, she's great anyway. She she's she's brilliant, but in this particularly, yeah, just it's one of my favorite performances. And just in general, I think she's so good in it. And it's the only yeah. Stephen King film at won an Oscar, which might not be the biggest yeah. surprise for somebody that I was going to say that oh. that kind
0: of doesn't surprise me a wee bit, but yeah, it's I would argue it's probably one of the, probably the one of the most well done. Stephen King's, and the problem is, and I have a problem with Stephen King in the sense that I really love his novels, and it's like he totally phones in the last fifty pages. I found that quite a lot with mm-hmm. with his novels. So I kind of struggle with with sort of adaptations, and I feel like this one's probably the best, and that it does hold you right until the end. I don't think it really falls down on itself.
2: Saying that, I just realised I was being quite harsh there because the, the, the Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption not won Oscars. Oh wait a minute! I
0: don't know if Shawshank did
2: actually. I know Shawshank was a flop when they came out, and it kind of got yeah, really yeah. overlooked, but.
0: Do you know I really loved Doug Hutchison in the I thought he was the perfect villain, and then he turns yes. out to be a big old pedo. So that really upset me.
2: <laughs> I mean, I just liked him to be a normal villain, not that kind of <laughs> villain.
0: We do have a couple of tweets which I can I can read out. I asked the lovely film cutter people if they had particular favourites. So at Zita underscore short said, "Madam Mariette Collect comes to mind," which of course it was from the film Trouble in Paradise, played by Kay Francis. At Munyoth Games says Ashley Cummings' performance as Vicky in Hounds of Love will stick with me forever. And he also says he's sorry to bring this up again because he knows it will trigger me. Ashley and Franciosi's performance as Claire in The Nightingale as well. Mm -hmm. And we have at JB Likes Music Movies, the classic movie guy has said Maria Falconetti in The Passion of Joan of Arc from 1928. So a couple of the old classics, like early era Hollywood movies, there and a couple of more modern performances. So, thank you very much for letting us know your thoughts. You can, of course, get in touch with us on all the usual social media platforms at Movie Scramble. And for the love of God, please drop John an email. There are inmates on death row who get more contact than John. <laughs> um, it's podcasts at MovieScramble.co.uk. He's he's getting a bit lonely, guys, and it would be lovely if you could uh, share the love. So. That is it for our Nomadland podcast. As you heard at the beginning, we are back in lockdown, so there may not be some new releases um, on the next pod, but we will certainly try and keep up the chat. But for now, it's goodbye from me and my esteemed colleagues.